Hello and welcome to the Law Business Podcast. We're very fortunate today to be joined by Celine Winham, who is an employment solicitor and advocate for mental health and well-being, and also Sinead Ayrton, who is also a strong advocate of mental health and well-being, and she's also a trainee solicitor. Hello, ladies. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today and to talk about such an important issue, law and mental health and well-being. Fantastic. So I think we'll kick it off by talking to Celine first. Hello, Celine. So you work Hi. in employment law. Hi. So you're a very busy person to begin with, I assume. I am, yeah. So I advise both employees and employers. Um, I'm a couple of years qualified now. Um, and I moved firms last year after being made redundant, but I just equally as busy um, in, in the different firms I moved from Surrey into London. Um, so I have, a, I have a, a mixed workload and we also do contentious and non-contentious as well. So the, the litigation stuff as well as the advisory. Great. So that must be really stimulating. And employment is really at the heart of everyone's lives, most people's lives. Um, so you must see a vast array of situations and meet so many different personalities. What are the highs and lows of the job, do you think? So I actually went into law convinced I was going to do family. Family is what I wanted to do. Um, I did all the optional modules at ULaw and at uni, and I wanted to help families who had been through difficulties like mine. Um, but I fell into employment law and absolutely loved it because of the crossover with the people element. Like you said, it comes into everybody's um, lives, everyone who has a job, everyone's working lives. It, it touches on everyone. Um, and I just loved the, yeah, the people-focused element of it um, in the same way of why I, why I liked family. So got into employment and was, again, when I was younger, I was convinced I was only going to help employees and I was um, out to help the individual. But in, in reality, in employment law, you do, you do both employers and employees. And actually, I've really, really enjoyed the mix. Um, the highs uh, for me, I'm I am still really driven by employee work, and I love my I love my employer work and building relationships and becoming part of their business and a trusted advisor. But with the employees, you can really build that personal relationship because you're especially if they're coming to a lawyer, they've usually got a problem. If you're an employee, and um and they just need some outside help, they're having difficulties with their employer or, any, or something like that. And I find it very rewarding to be able to just not just be their lawyer but you kind of have to be a bit of a counselor a bit of a bit of a friend in terms of really hearing them and making them feel heard and understanding where they're coming from rather than just giving them the law so that that would be a high for me I really enjoy building those relationships with employees and actually having personal experience and some of their issues it means I can really empathize more and I love it when I see the sort of um the excitement they get when they say, oh, you get it, when I'm sort of talking to them. And I'm like, this is what, what I'm understanding you're saying, and it must feel like this. And they're like, yes, you get it. No one gets it. So I really love that about my employee work. Um, the lows are <sighs> being in private practice, you know, means that a law firm is a business. You have billing targets. You have to bill your clients, and especially employees, so why it's a little bit easier to work for employers because they have a big, bigger budget. Employees are usually, um, unless we're dealing with the high senior execs, but the people who have problems are usually, you know, not on a huge salary and can't fork out thousands and thousands in legal fees. 
upfront. And that is the difficulty for me when I see a case that's really, an employee's been treated really, really badly. And you really just want to be that outside help, come on record and tell the employer straight, like, this is ridiculous. Mm. You really want to help them out and they can't afford it. That is the real low for me. And it's driven me very recently to start doing pro bono work um, in employment law in a local legal centre because it was just getting me down so much. And I was like, I wish I could help these people. So that kind of offsets it. It's still disappointing when I get a client call up and and they don't have the budget. Um, But but I get to sort of help on, on the flip side in pro bono work as well. Yeah, that's fantastic that you have time to do both. And I'm just wondering about the place of empathy, how you feel about um, the role of empathy among employers in field of law today. Could you say anything general about that? I think it's really mixed. Um, I and it really depends. I think on the, a lot of the a lot of the employee issues I see are generally tend to be with a line manager. So it really depends if you have a good manager or if you have a manager that that doesn't understand. And it's very much, a lot of it stems from that employee relations side about, you know, the practicalities of managing people um, when things can get out of hand. And I would love to see more empathy in big businesses and a couple of public sector employers I'm against as well. It just it's not the whole business. It will be a select few or a particular manager that isn't buying into the culture of, of the whole firm. So it, I don't want I don't want to tarnish all employers as bad no, as exactly. they're not. And we see, you know, my firm particularly is is absolutely amazing. My line manager is great, but I, I have worked for other line managers who haven't been. So it really depends on on who you get, who you're working with, and um and it's a it may not be a culture problem it may just be a manager problem so it really depends on the employer sure and how do you look after your own mental health and well-being while you're in such a pressured job so I personally have always found that work is a supportive factor for me I am I've always been sort of driven picked law at 14 and I was like that's what I'm doing and my dad was like it's time to choose your GCSEs you've got to pick a career and I was like I'm just gonna pick law um, so it's a bit of a random choice, but it's something I've stuck with. And so I've also always been driven by work and pro- uh, progressing in my career. Um, however, like you said, it is stressed. So for me, it's not a particular trigger or a stressor in terms of uh, work because my my sort of issues stem from personal issues. But you do have to be careful about managing how high your sort of your stress levels are. If you've got something outside of work, you obviously don't want to be you know pre- very very pressured in work. So for me, I um, I always I'm always keen to you know stay in work. When I've had periods of low mental health, I've never really wanted to be signed off because I I, I really enjoy work. But I just have to be careful about um, balance. I would say it's very easy when you're working with individuals to take those issues home with you. And I've always been fairly good. You know, my clients are my clients; they're not my personal friends. And I, I'm I'm mentally I've always had that sort of clear barrier, but I think since working from home, it's been harder to separate that because my desk is in my room and just subconsciously, you're still, I'm still in the same room. I'm in my room yeah. thinking about my clients or what's going on. So, um, and, and even more with pro bono work actually, because I'm doing it in my own time. So that, that line has been really blurred. Um, so I've just tried to 
implement a few things in my working day and my managers are super supportive of this we work really flexibly so everyone is encouraged to go outside in the day get some fresh air go for a walk I have a dog so I can walk my dog so if my mom my mom's working from home as well she says she's going out in the afternoon at three maybe she works part-time to take the dog out if my workload allows I will go and my firm are very very um supportive of that it you know it doesn't matter if it's the middle of the day you need to get out um also if I've had a difficult conversation with a with a client um either emotive or they've not been you know they've been angry about something as, as clients tend to do sometimes um I try and get away from my desk and I take 10 minutes 15 minutes and do something completely unrelated to work grab a coffee chat to my mom go and cuddle my dog or something like that so always try and take those breaks rather than trying to push through I'm always going to be more unproductive if I'm trying to push through rather than taking the break away and coming back with a fresh mind. Um, I also tend to like to surround myself with things that make me happy visually. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of pink. Pink Lovely. makes me really Let's happy. Yeah. Um, I always write with my pink pen, uh, pink posters everywhere. So, and I, I used to have that at work as well. Um, and people used to tease me for just loving pink, but for me, it, it just creates a little environment that makes me feel comfortable and happy. Um, and I always have a candle lit at the moment. I'm really into candles. So just creating mm. an environment which I feel comfortable in, whether it's in the office or at home, um, just a, a com- comfortable space where I feel safe. I think those are top tips, actually. Very simple things that everyone can apply. Are you inspired by Legally Blonde? Because we do find at Law that a lot of students actually come to the root of law via Elle Woods, I think her name is in the film. It was never an inspiration. However, I have, I would do like to channel, I do like to channel my inner outwards into my, into my style of, of work and, and being a lawyer. So I have, I have been called legally brunette before. That's been, that's been flown around, especially with my love of pink. But um, yeah, it, I just like, it's just nice to have a little bit of fun, isn't it? You know, why not oh, have? It's all like about balance. Walk, right with a pink pen, no one's mm-hmm. stopping you. Yeah. Yeah. So from what you've said, structure is important, but also structuring those down times where you can be a bit more fluid with what you're doing and a bit more relaxed and slow with what you're doing too. And Sunny, let's, we'll come back to Celine, Absolutely. but Sunny, it would be wonderful to hear a little about your work with Surrey um, Young Lawyers Division and what sort of mental health and well-being issues you may have encountered there and also how it's inspired you too. Yeah, um, so I I actually started at Surrey JLD on the committee in November last year um, as a wellbeing representative, and I just wanted to make more young lawyers aware of mental health. Um, so I've I've decided to um, set up the wellbeing hub on the website, oh, wow. which has resources um, on there to help with mental health. Um, I've also been writing blogs as well, um, based on sort of discussions that I will have with other junior lawyers, um, and just things that will help junior lawyers with looking after their well-being more and just discussing mental health. And what sorts of um, thoughts or reactions have you encountered engaging with young lawyers and mental health? Um, a lot of positive interaction, actually. So. Um, one really, um, or one thing that sticks out a lot to me was the last event that I did with you Law, which was a panel event, How to Succeed as a Trainee. Um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, so I was speaking to about, I think it was about 100 students or just over, 
And I spoke openly about um, my experiences suffering with anxiety and depression. And my LinkedIn inbox was flooded with messages afterwards. I had students saying, thank you so much for being open and honest about mental health. I love that. Yeah, and it, it just... It made me feel really proud that the younger generation of lawyers or law students are looking at that and thinking, yeah, I can I can do law. It doesn't matter if I suffer with anxiety, depression, any sort of mental illness. It's fine. You know, I can still do law. So, yeah, that's been the really rewarding thing for me. It's so key, isn't it, that when you give, you actually get back an awful lot. Um, it's yes. quite a fair transaction, I find. Yes, definitely. So- do you think these young lawyers you've been working with will go on to be advocates themselves? Have they gotten involved with anything as, as a byproduct of you talking to them? Probably not yet, because they're quite early on in their, I suppose, legal career. You know, they're sort of first year, second year students or people doing their GDL. But I hope that they will then take this on because I've I've seen more senior lawyers um, advocating for mental health. And that's what's inspired me because they've helped me a lot. So I do hope that they'll then go on to speak to other students when the time comes and advocate mental health as well. Sure. And you actually have a master's in medical law, is that correct? That's right, yes. Um, Many years ago, so back in 2011, 2012, I studied that. Um, And yeah, I I was always really interested in medicine growing up. I thought I wanted to be a doctor um, and then decided it wasn't for me. Law was more for me. So that's what fueled that decision. But, yeah, I, I would really encourage anyone to study. And, and we have duties to, to, to various people like clients and judges and things like that. And we can be disciplined if we don't live up to those standards. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the strive for perfection, the, the attention to detail, the analysis, all of those skills, I think, can sit very nicely with um it can stem into sorry into anxiety mm. analysis is is viewing everything and thinking about it but that can very easily go into overthinking about it right and i think that's why we see a lot of um a lot of lawyers not just junior lawyers but a lot a lot of lawyers with anxieties and i think the older generation of lawyers have learned to um either ignore it, cope with it, hide it. And I think that's probably the difference with our generation of junior lawyers is we're being a lot more open about it. And I absolutely loved what you said, Sonne, when you spoke at the the last event and you were flooded, your inbox was flooded and you had also been inspired from someone in a more senior position who was older, who was speaking on it and you could relate. And that's the kind of thing I think we really, really need. And I love that about our junior generation of lawyers coming up. And that's why things like this are so important for for students coming up because we want to change that culture. It's a culture change. It's a whole overhaul of the legal culture. And so I think, you know, it's not necessarily junior lawyers who have anxieties. It's all lawyers, but junior lawyers are just a bit more open about it. And, you know, I, I do know some senior lawyers who have struggled with burnout, with anxiety, with overthinking um, and and have just learned ways to cope, which may not be the best way or, um, you know, they'll just take a bit of time off or go on, go on a holiday in terms in trying to cope with that. Whereas we junior lawyers are sort of trying to stand up and shout about it and try and change that going forward so um i definitely see a lot of uh, anxiety disorders not just general anxiety 
sort of nervousness, but actually stemming into problematic, um, disordered thinking. Um, because I think we just strive for the best. We're a group mm. of, of professionals who, and it's not just that we we're, that's coming from internal, it's also coming from external factors, from clients, client pressures, and also from, from our codes of conduct and, and, you know, the threat of disciplinary, which has been, you know, in the news with the junior, junior sort of strike-offs and things like that to do with mental health. There's a link there. Um, I, I don't think you can view them in, in isolation. Lovely, thank you. We'll come back to ideas about how you can affect culture change, how young lawyers can actually make a difference. Um, but Sunne, what do you think? Have you noticed any sort of trends or patterns with how people think and feel from your work? Yeah, I'd, I'd say um, similar to what Selena said, actually, um, it is in our personalities as lawyers. So we're, we're often described as A-type personalities. So we love to work hard and, um, you know, strive for perfection mm-hmm. and um, to the point where there's quite a fine line between that and burnout and stress. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're, we're prone to it because of the type of people we are um, and that need to be or appear perfect because of also, um, like Celine said, you know, we, we can be sanctioned if we don't do things right. Um, and I think people are scared to actually say, look, I can't take that piece on piece of work on or I'm not feeling very well mentally today. Can I take an, an easy day or have a day off for mental health? We just don't discuss that in our profession at all um yeah. I mean I, I hear people in in other professions they might say I don't have the bandwidth for that work right now and you wouldn't hear that in the legal profession at all you know it's unheard <laughs> of um obviously there are some firms which which do have a much better culture but generally we love to seem like we can take everything on yeah. um and I'd say also the type of clients as well we work with, and certainly if, if we work with so vulnerable clients as well, you're more likely to um, be exposed to certain issues that can affect us mentally. Um, and also I'd say with, with the type of work I do in, in litigation and personal injury, my life is dictated by court deadlines. Um, and a lot of people will, right. will experience that, which again, increases anxiety. So I think all of that is why, um, we're probably more prone to anxiety and other mental illnesses. Wow. Okay. So if you two were to come together and brainstorm some immediate actions that the field of law could take to make things better, what sorts of things would you say? Um, I mean, I would say the the pandemic has hugely helped in terms of flexible working I think that is a huge key and something that's been a long time coming in the legal field and has been routinely pushed back I would say by perhaps older generations or old school in inverted commas uh, lawyers so I would definitely promote that I would like to see that as a policy um, in every firm in my I'm very blessed because the firm I was in had that in place beforehand and it wasn't just a policy it was in practice they lived it and they breathed it and that's that should be absolutely across all sectors um of law so that that would be my first thinking it has to be flexible working and it has to be in reality we don't always need to be in the office we don't need to have that culture of presenteeism because it doesn't equal productivity right yeah you think about that Sonny 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, for me, working from home has been brilliant because of my anxiety. Being in a busy office, um, commuting three hours a day is just a nightmare for me. Um, So being able to work from home has really improved my productivity, definitely, and probably for a lot of people. Um, I'd also say, going back to that flexibility point as well, some people just work in different ways and work at different times of the day and firms do need to accommodate that. And going back to you know what I was saying about um, having time off or an easy day because you're not feeling mentally very well, that needs to be encouraged. Um, I agree. Yeah, and just, just having an understanding from the senior end, from management, of how people might be feeling and making sure everyone feels okay, um, that needs to definitely change. Great. So obviously there's a need for updated policies. I wonder if there are any steering groups for mental health within law firms at the moment, if that's common practice or not. I would say it's starting to change a little bit. Um, You know, the biggest mental health um, organisation we have within law is Law Care. Um, I'm a peer supporter with Law Care. Um, I did that training because I was driven by my own experiences that I wanted to help other lawyers um, suffering with mental health. And there are firms that work together with law care and will do will bring law care in. Um, law care have various resources and things like that. But I think it's I think it's slow the collaboration between mental health organisations and law firms. And I don't really know why that is. We've seen a lot more mental health first aiders being implemented in law firms and, and other businesses, and I think that's a great first step. Uh, but there's a lot more that could be done. And I don't know whether, um, you know, as part of sort of mandatory training that we have to go through in terms of um, compliance, anti-money laundering, perhaps we can implement something that's specific about mental health. And I think also training for managers. And it's something that I've heard say before that when you're a partner in a law firm, you're then managing other lawyers and you don't actually really get, I'm sure there is training out there if you request it, but most law firms do not train lawyers in how to manage people. That's They're really not, interesting. Yeah. yeah, we're not trained people managers, we're trained lawyers. So the, the difference between being a lawyer for your clients and being a people manager for your subordinates and your junior lawyers is huge. And there are a lot of lawyers who are very good lawyers, but very poor managers. And I would like to see that change um, with some, uh, yeah, some kind of universal training, perhaps, and people like Law Care could, could provide that um, and have, having that regularly so it doesn't get forgotten. If anyone would like to contact Law Care, how would they do that? So you can go on their website. Um, they also have all the social medias, Instagram, um, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. Um, there's numbers on there so you can call I think they're starting to implement a a sort of either messaging service or a chat or an email Um, so we have our our callers who who man that line and then if someone needs ongoing support that's when they're passed over to a peer supporter who has experience perhaps in, in what they've been going through and it's not just for mental health it's also support with disciplinary action or grievances bullying things like that um, and law care actually started um, decades ago to address the issue of rising alcoholism in the profession. Oh, and wow. that, tell, that tells you, I think, it tells a, a, a huge picture about how long the profession has been struggling and needing help. 
And at the time, that was the issue. It was alcoholism. But, you know, addiction has very clear crossovers with, with mental health. And, um, and I think that was the start of something that has become a lot bigger and a more recognised problem that's actually been a lot more, I think, long-stemming than, than some than maybe senior lawyers would like to admit. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, Sonny, what do you think? Immediate actions for making culture change? Yeah, I'd I'd agree with a lot of what Salima said. It it is that education. And I think um, I'd say also education needs to go further in terms of maybe we need to start at school and at university talking about the different signs and symptoms of mental illness, how to cope, how to just generally look after your well-being so it doesn't become too much of a problem. I know I probably suffered with anxiety from the age of 15 at least. Um, but I was diagnosed at the age of 29. That's 14 years of living with anxiety, it possibly getting worse as well. Without I had a very it. similar experience, actually, yeah. suffering in my teens and not really knowing what it was until I was in my 20s. And again, that's why I, I love to see events like this, because they're targeted, you know, I mean, particularly at law students. Um, you know, ed- education on this topic in schools at university and your professional studies is so important, I think, to change, to just equip us better as lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. So the pressure of being a lawyer really starts at university, doesn't it, with the amount of studying, cramming, exams. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sunny, anything else on that? Yeah, um, I mean, that, that's the main thing. And yeah, that, that cultural change as well, um, because I have come across a lot of senior lawyers that say, you know, well, in my day, we were just throwing the file and yeah. well, to get on with it, you're lucky. And it's not about you're lucky. Everyone um, reacts to things differently. And, you know, in, in when I was sort of, before I realised I had anxiety, but obviously did suffer with it, um, a lot of the time I was made to feel that I was weak, that I wasn't resilient enough, and I, I was taught myself, which which just seems ridiculous because we're just all different. Um, and like Selena said, actually, there's a lot of characteristics to anxiety that help us be better lawyers as well. So if we can cope with the the bad effects of mental illness and make sure we don't get to a stage where we can't cope then actually it makes us better lawyers as well so we should celebrate that rather than tell people they're not good enough or they're too weak. I completely agree with that Sonne I've recently been engaging with the neurodiversity and law um, Mm -hmm. celebration week um, uh, webinars they've been doing and and the biggest takeaway I've had from that is we should celebrate neurodiversity Mm. because actually it gives us it can give us skills that neurotypicals don't have and yeah. so I completely echo what you said in terms of actually our anxiety, whatever other you know issues we may, we may have, we can use to our strengths. Yes. And it doesn't, it shouldn't be viewed as perhaps a problem to be solved mm. rather than something to be channeled and, and managed into something better. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, myself, I have dyspraxia, which is some form of neurodiversity. And it's so common, if not completely consistent, that when you find certain things difficult and challenging, other things will be extremely easy. So people are often off the scale in some ways and then slightly below average in others. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. What about uh, perfect moments of 
um, sort of contentment with what's going on with well-being in the law? Any moments you've had at events where you've thought, this is really rewarding and I'm so glad I'm here and the response is just great? Any examples? I definitely felt that at the neurodiversity, the neurodiversity in law webinars. So they're quite a new group they set up last year. And just the atmosphere, the environment, the speakers, the, the listeners, the questions. I just felt so uplifted to see a group like this coming out of nowhere, really. And they've put on an event every day. I think it was last week. And um, I had uh, invites in my LinkedIn inbox saying, I've seen you in the, in the group. I'm also neurodiverse, would love to connect. And actually, it just, it felt so it made me feel so happy inside to actually see people being more and more open and actually building a network of, of similar like-minded people. You don't have to sort of exist in a, in a um, vacuum in your firm. If there's not, you know, people like you or struggling with the same thing, actually there's lots of people out there who want to connect with other neurodiverse people. And um, I, I just felt so uplifted by that last week. Um, so that would be mine. Lovely. You've put that much more articulately than the question I put to you. So, Sonne, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Again, I was at the um, neurodiversity and law events as well. And it's the fact that there's more and more groups like this um, yeah. where we are celebrating that difference, where we're celebrating mental health as well. And we're all coming together and we don't, like you say, we, we feel like we don't exist in a vacuum anymore. You know, we've got a support group and I've um, met so many wonderful lawyers, senior and junior lawyers, who um, are really celebrating and looking after mental well-being. And it's just, it's really helped me in my journey as well. So, I, yeah, I think that needs to increase. We need to have more events where we celebrate that us all being different um, and neurodiversity and mental health as well, because it's just, it's really rewarding. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Very positive note. Thank you so much for your contributions. They've been so thorough and specific and personal too. Thank you very much indeed. Thank Is you there so much else? for having us. No pleasure. Definitely. Is there any last words you'd like to say before we leave? I would just like to encourage any students listening that um, being different is not, uh, it's not a bad thing. And there are plenty of lawyers in the profession with their own struggles and just encourage them to really strive to overcome and, and not only to overcome, but also to incorporate, like we said, any sort of differences and, and actually use them to their strengths and not to be, not to take the negative, like Sonne said, where, where she's been told, oh, you're lucky, you're, you know, if you can't handle it, you're not cut out for law, I've had that, things like that, you can't be emotional and be a lawyer, like that's absolute rubbish. So try and try and encourage anyone listening to, if you've heard that, Try and put it aside and, and, and stick with your gut instinct in terms of mm. proceeding. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, ladies. And Thank you so much. You can hear more from Sunny and Celine at our Diversity Matters Mental Health and Wellbeing event on this Thursday, 13th of May, 2021.